You're a little older and a lot wiser. The future is yours. Define aging on your own terms. Welcome to AARP Without Limits with your host, Mike Olander. And here we are. This is AARP Without Limits. Talk radio here at WPTF talking about all the issues related to aging and disrupting aging here in the Tar Heel State. I'm your host, Mike Olander, with AARP North Carolina. And uh, what can I say here, uh, Jason? Joined, as always, by my partner in crime here, our esteemed production engineer, Mr. Jason Kong. Jason, how are you feeling? I've got a sense that you've got a little bit of relief in terms of your workload now that election day has passed. Is that correct? There is a big sense of relief. You know, we always get so many last orders for commercials, revisions, and then sometimes those have to be sent over to lawyers to make sure that they can actually run on the air. So yeah, there is, there's definitely a sigh of relief, but uh, you know, I, I feel bad for the folks in Georgia who've got to deal with the runoff election. They're not quite out of the woods yet. Oh my gosh, no, they're not. And who knows what else is uh, is, is to come as, as far as that goes. Uh, we've got a really exciting show for you today, folks. Brian Lewis of New Frame uh, Lobbying, a lobbying firm here in the Raleigh area, noted TV commentator and host of the very popular podcast, Do Politics Better, is going to be with us. going to be talking with him in a few minutes about uh, what uh, the election results mean for the us here in the, the Tar Heel State. But uh, before I get to that, uh, Jason, just um, want to get a sense as to, uh, or share with you and, and, and our audience listening here. And by the way, we want to make sure that you, you know that you have the opportunity to reach out to us, even though this is a pre-recorded program. Uh, we do want to hear from you if you send us an email at aarpwithoutlimits at aarp.org. You have the opportunity to share with you, us your suggestions, questions, uh, uh, topics, uh, things that you want to hear about related to aging here in North Carolina. Um, as we talk with our guest today, Jason, about what the election, midterm elections mean for us here in North Carolina, a couple important things to for folks to understand. Um, voters 50 plus, and we know, I know there's a lot of number crunching that's, that that's, uh, is going on right now. We'll have some real specific figures, official figures down the road, but, uh, exit, according to exit polls, about 61% of the turnout in North Carolina were, uh, people who were 65 and older. And, uh, I know you're hearing a lot of commentators now talking about, you know, younger voters and whether they're, they're showing up or didn't show up enough in this election. Uh, and you're hearing from some young folks saying, well, they're not, maybe not turning out in numbers that, uh, um, you would think, uh, despite their passion because they feel that elected officials are not responding to their, uh, concerns. Folks, those of you who are younger, who are listening to this, it's big. If you feel that they're not being responsive, it's probably due to the fact that you're not turning out as much. <laughs> if you turn out like older voters do, um, you need to understand that uh, elected officials, those who are running for office, are going to recognize that. And they have a lot more incentive, personal incentive, to be responsive to you. And that's one of the great things about uh, my job in uh, at AARP North Carolina is having the opportunity to work with older folks uh, in different capacities, especially our volunteers who give very selflessly uh, back to their communities. You know, they're a little older, a little bit wiser. Um, they, uh, they, they're they really, for the most part, pretty self-aware about their values. 
and it's their opportunity in their later years often to uh, best express their values through the work that they do, the service that they do in their communities, how they treat people, and how they vote. And uh, again, it's, it's no surprise at all that in this election, voter turnout among older voters uh, was um, the, the largest uh, of any of the, 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 uh, the major uh, groups that are out there. So those of you who are listening, make sure that uh, you take advantage next time we, uh, we come around to an election. Make sure that you're getting out there, you're voting, make sure you're communicating with, your, um, with your, uh, those candidates, especially when they do things like town halls. You know, stand up, ask a question, or if it's a tele-town hall, try to get your question in the queue. Make sure that they're hearing directly from you, because um, then you don't, you know, uh, um, as far as complaining, oh, they're not, you know, folks in Washington or folks in Raleigh aren't being responsive to us. Well, if they don't hear from you, how are they going to respond to you, right? And so you need to take advantage of every opportunity uh, to do that. So speaking of the election and uh, in particular state races, I know those of us who are, or should I say everyone who's been watching um, very closely the midterm elections, for the most part, people have been focused on the major races, right? The governor's races, of course, the Senate, House of Representatives, but the state legislative races and the judicial races here in North Carolina have been something really uh, very, very important. And uh, probably not enough people pay attention to those races. And I understand that they're not as visible, maybe not as sexy. You know, you don't see them getting, being talked on, talked about for the most part on, um, you know, the major uh, cable news outlets and so forth. Um, however, that's, that's why we rely on people like our guest uh, to help us break down uh, some of the information or break down the goings on among our, our state legislature and to better understand some of the dynamics of state government. One of the best and most entertaining uh, podcasts that's out there right now is something called Do Politics Better, which is uh, founded and hosted, co-hosted by Brian Lewis, um, who is a managing partner, I think, is it, of uh, New Firm, which is a lobbying group here based in Raleigh. He's also a noted commentator. You can catch him on occasion on Capital Tonight on Spectrum. Um, And uh, he's always got some great insights uh, and personality to boot. So, Brian, so good to have you with us. Mike, thanks for having me. Jason, great to be with you this morning. And I'm really, really looking forward to uh, what you've got to say now that we are past Election Day. And folks who are listening to this live uh, on, well, listening to it over the airwave, should I say, uh, on Sunday afternoon, uh, know that this, this show is being pre-recorded. So you may have additional information at your fingertips now that we don't have it now. We're only about 48 hours past Election Day. But um, I know, Brian, you, you're, you're somebody who talks to people yeah. and who knows where to kind of look for the, the, the good information. So now here we are, 48, pa- uh, 48 hours past uh, uh, Election Day. What are your – any big takeaways as far as the state races went here that you'd like to share with us? Well, you know, obviously the Sherry Beasley-Ted Bud race, I think that was on the top of everyone's ticket Tuesday. We were watching that. And polling was showing in the last couple of weeks that Ted Bud was inching away from Sherry Beasley. Three, four points. He ended up winning by over four percentage points. It was a, I think a lot of folks thought it was a sleepy race. I think we were paying attention here in North Carolina. But um, he prevailed. He is going to be the next U.S. Senator taking Richard Burr's place. I think the big storyline there is that 
the National Party, the Democratic Party, did not invest a lot of money in Sherry Beasley. I'm wondering if some D.C. folks are waking up this morning and thinking, okay, four percentage points. I wonder if we should have invested more money down in North Carolina. It's, yeah, especially considering some of the success that they, um, the the Democratic Party had seen with some of the House races. Yeah. Particularly, it was pretty interesting to see what happened with the old Butterfields um, you know, uh, um, district, which of course was redrawn, yeah. which probably was a big, which certainly was, it was a, uh, a big factor in his decision not to, not to run again. And, uh, they did put a lot of money into that and they eked out a victory there. As far as that, the, um, those congressional house races go, any, any, anything that really stood out to you? Well, you know, the Wiley nickel Bohines race, yep. a lot of us thought, man, Wake County. Yeah. Wiley nickel, the Democrat, he's going to do well in Wake County, but is his message going to really resonate with Johnston County voters and Harnett County voters, those, dis- those counties that are just Southeast of Wake. I am interested to see when we get the canvas. So they'll, they'll, Make the election official in about 10 days, and we'll get the precinct numbers. It's going to be interesting to see how Harnett and Johnston voted. But Wiley Nickel won that race, and pretty decisively. Mm-hmm. And if you look at his voting record in the North Carolina General Assembly, he's currently a state senator, so he's running for Congress. A lot of folks thought, man, he's he's kind of got a progressive voting record, but he ran as a moderate. Mm-hmm. Uh, very much. That was his message. He, d- he didn't want to be too extreme on either side. But he ended up prevailing. A lot of us were really, uh, you know, it could have gone either way, but he was decisive in that big victory. I think it was almost four points he won by. Mm-hmm. And speaking of redistricting and so forth, one of the uh, interesting um, factors in this year's midterms was the state Supreme Court Right. Yeah. The Republican Party really inked a huge victory in the court. So not only the Supreme Court, Mike, but the Court of Appeals. Mm. There were 15 judges on the ballot. They ran the table. They being the Republicans, 15 out of 15 races went Republican. So here's the interesting thing for your listeners to think about. It is being talked about that the General Assembly wants to redraw those congressional maps that they just drew last session. Well, I say they drew it. They didn't. A judge drew Mm -hmm. those maps. So they're looking at our Constitution and our our statutes, and they're saying, look, we're the ones that get to draw them. So they want to redraw them. Of course, Democrats are going to litigate this, but guess who will be deciding whether they're constitutional or not? A 4-3 Supreme Court. Republican over Democrats and a court of appeals. I, you know, if you're looking at it through a partisan lens, you would probably put your money on those maps will hold. So to Wiley Nickel out there, to Jeff Jackson down in Charlotte, I, I think Don Davis is pretty safe out in that first district that mm-hmm. you talked about, G.K. Butterfield's old district. But I think that uh, we could be up for some turnover in 2024. If, if, and when those maps are redrawn. It is a fascinating part of this story, I think, one that's kind of been kind of overlooked. And again, that redistricting piece is just like, okay, wow, we have a, you know, 14 congressional districts. It's evenly split right now. Two years from now, we could be having a very, you could be here uh, talking with us, um, Brian, and we'd be having a very different story in terms of that uh, sharing of, of, of those seats there. Um, and a part of our AARP nonpartisan voter engagement work is to educate uh, voters about where do I vote? You know, are the districts going to get redrawn? 
guess what? We get to do it all over again <laughs> if these maps get redrawn. Uh, always so much fun here in North Carolina. We're going to take a quick break, ladies and gentlemen. This is AARP Without Limits talking to Brian Lewis. We'll be right back. And we are back. This is AARP Without Limits, disrupting aging from the mighty, mighty broadcasting towers of WPTF, 50,000 watts of age disruption. I'm your host, Mike Olander, and we've been speaking with Brian Lewis of the very popular podcast, Do Politics Better, uh, about uh, what the midterm elections mean for North Carolina. And Brian, I got to ask you a question here as somebody who understands the state legislature probably better than, certainly better than most people. I heard one time, I can't remember who it was, some member of of Congress uh, speak about the dynamic between the House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate. And they said, well, you know, we have, there's the opposition party, and then we have the real enemy, which is the Senate. (laughs) And uh, I'm wondering here, in the state legislature, we've got interesting results. We've got a a supermajority in the Senate, not very close to supermajority, but not quite um, in in the state House. Um, Is that type of dynamic um, exists at the state legislative level? And what can folks expect um, with this uh, a dynamic, especially when it comes to working with the governor in the next two years? Yeah, there is that. There is some rivalry between the House and the Senate, both Republican-controlled. Very different styles in the way they perform their work and also substantive. Sus- <laughs> let's not say that word. Also in the way <laughs> the bills that they pass. So uh, we could take Medicaid expansion. Senator Phil Berger wants Medicaid expansion. He's the president of the Senate, Republican. But Speaker Tim Moore, he's a little hesitant. So they do have a lot of friction as it pertains to that. The House complains a lot that they send bills over to the Senate and the Senate just sends them to the Rules Committee and they won't hear them. But I do think as long as Governor Cooper is in the mansion, Governor Roy Cooper, a Democrat, he is always going to be kind of the ultimate foil for them. And so it was telling yesterday, Wednesday, the day after the election, Senator Phil Berger, Speaker Tim Moore held a joint press conference and said, look, we feel like we have a super working majority. We can get some things done. They, the Democrats have one vote that will hold the veto. And a lot of folks are looking at Michael Ray's up in Northampton County. He's going to be kind of the kingmaker, if you will. And uh, they held hands, not literally, but they held hands at the press conference saying, yeah, we're going to get some things done. They laid out their agenda. They even mentioned Medicaid expansion. Phil Berger went back to the mic. He says, look, we're not going to do it in December. We think you'll see it in the wintertime. And so that was kind of interesting. Actually, and and for the record, let's say this, Governor Cooper also wants Medicaid expansion. That might be something that we see the three leaders of our political world in North Carolina agreeing on. And isn't that fascinating? You know, I am so intrigued by the story of Medicaid expansion. Of course, it's a key component of Obamacare, Mm -hmm. which literally 10 years ago, in those midterms, right, 63 House races or uh, uh, seats lost, uh, that the Republicans picked up that midterm. Obamacare, you know, the Affordable Care Act, huge, huge issue, right? Gave us the Tea Party movement and so forth. Um, And North Carolina legislators went so far as not only to say we're not going to expand Medicaid, we're actually going to pass a law prohibiting it. (laughs) 
<laughs> right? That's right. And here we are now where we have leadership actually, Republican leadership, saying we want to do this. We want to find the best way of doing it. And that being, you know, um, 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 a shared um, goal somehow with uh, with uh, our Democratic uh, governor, Roy Cooper. I'm, I am really fascinated to see how this uh, how this mm-hmm. one's playing out. Any predictions in terms of is it actually you think it's actually going to happen or? I think so. Uh, basically, there needs to be some compromise on the details. It has to do with hospitals yes. and getting their license to be able to have a certain number of beds. That's all policy wonk stuff. I think the hospital association w- is being brought to the table. They're saying, look, we need to do something about these. They're called certificates of need. But I believe that we will see a compromise. Both uh, Senator Berger and Speaker Moore understand this. To your point about us being one of the few states not accepting this Medicaid expansion, that's billions of dollars Mm -hmm. that we're paying in taxes to D.C. that we're not getting a return on our investment. So we're seeing other states benefit from our tax money. It just comes down to money. Right. Yeah, we will see expansion. Uh, details to be ironed out. Yeah. And uh, AARP, one of the reasons why AARP uh, did support the Affordable Care Act is because of components of, of the law like Medicaid expansion, because we've got yeah. these people who are in that 50 to 64, they're pre-Medicare, they don't qualify for that, but many don't. You know, they make too much to qualify for Medicaid, so you expand the eligibility, and the federal government paying the vast majority of the expenses makes a lot of, of sense. And that's something that we hear a lot still from our members about, uh, you know, they're priced out. Um, many of them have been able to get coverage through the exchanges, but still there are, there are a lot who are priced out, and expansion would benefit them. So, yeah, fingers crossed, too. We're certainly ARP. North Carolina has been working on that for years, and, and we're, we're hoping to – to be in a very a bipartisan fashion, standing up there with everybody saying, oh, they, thank God we finally did it. We did it in a way that makes sense for North Carolina. Uh, maybe not everybody's 100% happy with the way it's done, right. but it actually winds up happening. Brian, um, what is your take as we kind of step back, take the 35,000-foot view of North Carolina? Um, does, this, does our story here with the midterms fit uh, in, in have a piece as in, in terms of the uh, the, the um, national story about the midterms. Is there anything unique or really consistent with what you're seeing across the country? Well, one thing that's noticeable this morning. So again, we're recording on Thursday morning. We still don't know what's happening in Arizona and Nevada, and of course Georgia is going on to a runoff race for their U.S. Senate race. It appears that Democrats, if they run the table, so they're up in. Uh, they're up in Arizona, they're slightly down in Nevada, but if they win two of the three seats, and then there's Georgia, then they will have a working majority in the U.S. Senate. So it it appears that the the Democrats did not need North Carolina to get a majority or to hold the majority. Uh, Republicans seem to really see North Carolina as a purple state. We saw that Jason, we were talking earlier about the Ted Budd race. You saw the ads coming in. Um, I'm wondering if Democrats are writing off North Carolina as a purple state. We've heard that Democrats are considering writing off Florida. (laughs) We saw a huge victory on Tuesday with Governor Ron DeSantis. Um, I think that these are questions that the national party needs to ask itself. Are they... Lose, are they just writing off the southeastern region of the country? Hmm. 
big questions. Yeah, let's hope not. I hope We've got not. a lot of great things in here. As those yeah. of you listening know, and those of us who are maybe listening from out of state to our podcast, ARP Without Limits, we got a lot of great stuff here. I relocated That's down right. from, I used to work for ARP in New York, yeah. lived in Jersey. Mm-hmm. I don't miss the commute. <laughs> <laughs> I do miss the bagels and the pizza. Yeah. Um, but down here, took moved my family down here 10 years ago for, you know, the, the way of life and the culture and yeah. never looked back. Um, so much to offer here. And then politically, you know, we've got an interesting dynamic here. Mm-hmm. We do have, you know, Southern culture. We've got the, the mountain culture. Um the coastal culture, we've, we've got, um, um, you know, the, the, the metropolitanism of the, the cities and young cities like Charlotte, which are just growing exponentially so fast, um, but yet really unique culture, especially when you look back at Civil War and things, um, really uh, fascinating a place to live and certainly a great place to raise a family, I should say, folks. Um, in the last couple of minutes, I want to mention here, as uh, folks here ARP talking about elections and maybe you've gotten some communications from us, just so folks are clear, um, ARP does not have a political action committee. We do not endorse candidates. We don't make contributions to candidates or political parties or PACs. Um, makes us pretty unique among the you know within the world of advocacy organizations. Um, what we do is we focus on issues. You know, we let the American people, we let North Carolinians um, make the decisions as to who our elected leaders should be. What we try and do is highlight the issues to those seeking office. What are the top issues for older voters? Um, and uh, to uh, make sure that uh, voters understand what candidate positions are on these issues um, and to m- under- and make sure that people know um, how they go about voting, especially, you know, with COVID and the restrictions and, and all that other type of stuff. Um, so we don't have a dog in the race. Uh, we want to see things get done. And once, you know, folks are elected, we work with them, whoever they are, Republican and Democrat, to uh, find solutions to these problems. And the best solutions are always the ones where everyone's got a little skin in the game. Not everybody is 100% happy with the way it is, but it it's enough to move the ball forward, right? And um, so just want to make that clear to everybody. Um, you can reach out to us if you have any questions, AARP Without Limits at AARP.org. Check us out on Facebook, folks, AARP North Carolina. We've always got virtual programs and other offerings. Of course, you can catch this podcast through our Facebook page link or here at WPTF's website. Thanks so much uh, for being with us. Brian Lewis, thank you so much. Again, Do Politics Better is his podcast. Thank you to Jason Kong for production. This is Mike Olander with ARP North Carolina signing off. 